Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 151 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. The Major League season is winding down. A lot of fantasy seasons are you know, maybe over for head-to-heads or you're in your championship. Roto's coming onto the wire. But the grind here on Tool Shed never stops. We have another fun episode in store today. And with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how good was the Pitching Ninja, you know, video or whatever you want to call it that he put with Sister Jean striking out Javi Baez? The best. If you're offended by it, I'm sorry. You're probably a Tigers fan. But it was hilarious, and it was true. Like, Javi Baez swings at everything. You know, let me just look up his O-swing percentage this year. It's high. quick. It's probably the highest in the league, if I had to guess. It's it's, it's very high. 47.9%. That's nearly 50% of the time he's swinging at pitches out of the zone. That makes, like, Vlad Sr. look like Ichiro or something, you know? like <laughs> He is uh, the highest in baseball by uh, three and a half percentage points over Nick Castellanos, surprisingly. Oh, wow. That's not who I thought would have thought would have been no, second. No, me either. But... but- Baez being first doesn't surprise me. No. He I mean, probably... I'm ashamed I have him on a dynasty team. I'm so ashamed. I I was kind of I think I I don't think I have him in any dynasty leagues. Maybe one, but uh, I did get him a couple redraft leagues this year and it was just it was painful to yeah. say the least. He he has picked it up a little bit. Yeah, he's been better here of late, but still yeah. you look at the totality of his season it was just Obviously, wasn't anywhere close to what what you were expecting when you took him as a what's his ADP like seventy five ish, give or take a little bit, probably in that in range, that range yeah. you know, like round five or so, or around six of a fifteen team or seven of a twelve teamer. But yeah, right. he's just been an absolute dud, and he kind of that kind of leads us into our discussion today. We won't be talking about him, but we will be discussing second half studs and duds. You know, a lot of interesting players that have had big second halves or really tailed off in the second half. And we'll dive into a lot of the notable names. We'll try not to talk about guys that we talked about a good amount recently, but there's still a lot of good names on this list. I've got a couple, a couple news notes to start the show. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, Chris at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. 
Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. You know, as little as $5 a month, this gets you extra content from both Chris and I throughout the offseason and access to our Discord, Next, which is a great place. What a fun chat, baseball chat in there. Next level up, you know, you get extra podcasts as well. And the next level up from that is where you get the fun live dynasty and prospect ranking. So a lot of fun stuff. And we're going to be putting out a lot of content throughout the offseason. So we'll go check that out. Patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ. All right, Chris, let's get into it. A couple bits of news and notes here. Uh, just two today. Well, technically three, but we're lumping two of them together because they're on the same team. That is Tyler Glasnow returning. And Shane Boz not returning. He's going on. Well, he's been on the IL, but Tommy John surgery for Shane Boz, unfortunately, will miss. Basically, will miss the entire 2024 season or 2023 season. If anything, maybe you get what you saw from Glasnow this year, handful of innings under the year. But let's just say he's out for the entire year. But good thing. Tyler Glasnow's back looking as nasty as ever. Pitched three innings the other day. Three, three strikeouts. Gave up one run. And... You know, was that, actually, that was today, wasn't it? Yeah, that was today, actually. Yeah, pitching today. <laughs> yep, today. So I thought it was, I was thinking it was yesterday for some reason. My days are all mixed up this week. But let's start with Glasnow. We'll start with the good here. You know, Glasnow is obviously one of the, you know, nastiest pitchers in baseball. This is, I think, a top 10 just talent in terms of for pitchers overall in the league. Like, you look at the last, you know, handful of years 2019, he had a 178 ERA, 33% K rate. 2020 was 408, but XERA was about a run lower than that. 38.2% K rate. Last year, 266 ERA and a 36.2% K rate. And that was in how many innings he throw last year? Just 88. That's the thing. He's never surpassed 111. That, that was back in 2018 uh, when he came over from Pittsburgh that year. So not a lot of uh, volume from him, but obviously the the quality is very good. And even last year, he added that slider as well, which was a very good pitch. One ninety seven batting average against two, uh, sorry, four twenty four slugs. So he did give up a few home runs on it, which had that slug go up. But forty six point three percent whiff rate. Obviously, has the big fastball, nasty curve, which maybe is the best curveball in baseball. At least some discussion. Where are you at on Glass down here, Chris? Both for Dynasty and 2023. Is he someone you're looking to buy back into? Yeah, but breaking news: Aaron Judge just hit 61. So, yeah, props yes. to him. Yes, I don't. Have, I, I don't have. I should have had the game on next to me. I forgot to put it on. Yeah, just, just but, hit a bomb. So, nice. you know, side note there. But I like what I've saw from Glass now today. You talk about the slider. It averaged 91.6 tonight. Like that's ridiculous. For reference, he averaged 87 and a half on it last year. I almost feel like it's a good thing. Tommy John's out of the way. Um, he did average a 98-1 on the fastball, which was up a mile, a 1.1 mile an hour from last year as well. Those are encouraging things. It was a small sample of 50 pitches, but overall, good performance. You saw him throw the fastball slider in a curve, and he mixed them well. Again, 25 fastballs, 15 sliders, 10 curveballs, and 50 pitches, so... What you really want to see there, encouraging things. Obviously, you're not going to get the full extent from him this year because he's not going to uh, – he, he pitched today. He may get another outing, but it's not going to be much. Like, he may throw four innings next time. So, it's hard to say for sure. But I, I think he's a decent buy low. I think you buy in on him right now. Because while he hasn't surpassed a high total of innings, like you mentioned, I still think that there's good value to be had with him. So, 
yeah, he's a good buy in my opinion. I, I really like him moving forward. Now, where do you think he can get back to? Let's say you get a full year from him, or I don't know. I, what, what, what would even be considered a full year for, for Glass? Now, what, let's say you get, this might even be high, but I'm, I'm going to be a little bit optimistic here and say 140 innings from him, which would be a clear high by a lot. But 140, is he ace material for you? I, I think he is. I think so because, I mean, look at Spencer Strider with the similar strikeout rates that we saw Glass now put up. And Strider's yeah. throwing 131 right now, and he's I think you'd easily say he's an ace. So, yeah, I'd be happy with 140, you know, elite innings from Glass now. Like like what we saw in 2021, like what he put up. You know, he put up yeah. a 2.66 ERA, sub one whip, 36.5% K rate. Like, yeah, that'd be phenomenal. So I'd definitely take that. But what can we realistically expect though? <laughs> like hundred, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to hope like you know, he had the surgery to clean everything up. You got to hope that everything's behind him. But I don't know. It's it's. A, I think it's even risky to expect hundred innings. So I, I don't know how I value him. Obviously, I love Glasnow. It's you know him adding. You know he control got a bit better. Adding that slider was huge. I think really really huge uh, to his overall success. So people don't can't really sit on that fastball curveball. And like, like we said, it was a nasty pitch at that. So not he added the show me pitch. He added the another formidable offering to strike out guys with. So I, I think next year I'll probably value him as more of an SP two with obviously with elite, you know, top ten upside and just cross my fingers for like 120 plus. I think that can get him in SP one territory. But just in general, Dynasty, I think I'm still buying right now. If you can still get him for a nice discount, I would. Because I, I think as we get Closer and closer to you know next season, you'll get in spring training next year. You see how good he looks there. Even if he has a you know successful postseason run with, with Tampa Bay and pitches well in the postseason, you're gonna see that price tag just go up from here. So I think that right now is a good time to buy still, but that time is gonna be closing pretty quick. As for Shane Boz, really unfortunate. I you know we interviewed Shane Boz or I did over on on Five Tool back in 2020. And he was a great interview. He was very knowledgeable and very driven. And then he did everything he said he was going to do in 2021 and improving his, you know, really, really improving his command and control, like in spades. And he's got the nasty stuff. He's got top 10 upside as well. And we've seen that in very small glimpses, but he's almost going down the Tyler Glasnow path here of just not being able to stay healthy and on the mound. Now we won't see him for at least the next, you know, 12 months or so, maybe even not until you know, beginning of 2024, you know, how far down your rankings does this drop boss for you, Chris? Like for me, I had him, he was like right around a hundred, give or take, you know, kind of, he kind of fluctuated depending if he was out or coming back. But now I dumped him down, I think into the 175 range. Like I'm still a huge boss guy, but at this point I'm getting pretty concerned with all these injuries. Yeah. He went from Adam 63 in like the early season update, and he's at 178 right now. So okay, so I think we're I think we're in a similar. Yeah, where did I have him? Let's say in March I had him. Uh, March I had him at 87. Let's go to like here's June. I had him 57. He was probably healthy then. Yeah, now I have him. Let's see, if, see how close I was. I was guessing one. Okay, I put him at 166 right now. So it's it's hard though. Yeah, so I have these two back to back. But who would you rather have in Dynasty, Shane Boz or Brady Singer? I mean, that is very interesting because obviously, you know, both are healthy. It's an easy pick, but man, that is tough. That's, that's, this is tougher than I thought it would be. I think I would still lean Shane Boz 
playing the long game here, but Singer's made strides, and he was pretty damn good second half of the year. But would that, you believe that, that's tough though? <laughs> yeah, would you believe he has a sub three ERA right now in 147 and two thirds? He still does. Two nine nine. Yep, it's crazy. He's been, and I, and this is a guy I got wrong, and, I, and I'll even give my my buddy Michael Govier a shout out. This is someone that Govier wanted to add. I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. And he was kind of you know lackluster for his next like, handful of starts, but then after that, it was like three starts later, he started like boom. He's and he's probably been sub two ERA since that point in time of the season. So I think he was like four and a half at the at that point. So yeah, Singer's been pretty damn good here, kind of quietly. It's also it's also Kansas City, so nobody realizes it, <laughs> right? Exactly. Unless it, unless it's one of like the, the young guys like Witt and you know Melendez and all them. Like one of them does well, you notice it. But like a guy like Singer no, does something good. Does anybody really care because it's in Kansas City? I mean, he should care, but right, just how it goes. Yep, exactly. But man, yeah, I don't know. Boz, he's so tough right now because uh, almost like Walker Bueller. Like obviously the talents, and you know, Bueller is obviously much more established than than Boz. But both are now gonna be out until twenty twenty four. Both have top ten upside. Bueller's been a top ten. Boz not really quite yet. But w- would you buy low if the price was right? You know, let's say it's 80 cents on the dollar or something like that. Would you buy low on Boz right now? Yeah, I think so. I, I think if the price is right, you definitely do it. So he's still got the upside and the talent. But I think as the season progresses next year and he doesn't pitch, I think the cost will probably go down. So, you know, people kind of sour on him and it creates good buying opportunities. So, yeah, I'm definitely on board with buying at the right cost. Yeah, as am I. All right, going over here to one notable promotion happened that actually happened today. Logan Ohapi being promoted by the Los Angeles Angels went over there in the Brandon Marsh deal at the deadline. And, you know, I think Ohapi is one of the probably one of the most underrated prospects in all of baseball. And I put out a tweet. This was two weeks ago now, but you know, it was prospects that had at least 200 plate appearances this season, walk rate above 10%, K rate below 20%. And an ISO of 200 or higher at max age of 25 to get out all those 27 year olds that are, you know, tearing up AAA. And the list was about, I don't know, 12 or 13 guys. It was Anthony Volpe, Curtis Mead, Edgar Cuero, Miguel Vargas, Andy Rodriguez, Colt Keith, Manzardo, Spencer Steer, Dustin Harris, uh, Angel Martinez, Edison Polino, Moises Ballesteros, Wenseal Perez, and Logan Ohapi. You know, he, he overall this year, 447 plate appearances. Slash 283, 416, 544, 26 bombs, seven steals, which kind of surprised me, but 15.7% walk rate, 16.6% K rate, and a 261 ISO. I mean, I think we both are developing a little bit of a prospect crush on Logan O'Hoppy. Like we saw him out in the AFL last year, it was very impressive. You know, everything you hear about him is is golden, even, you know, his leadership in, in the clubhouse and stuff like that. So, I think this is a guy that could maybe be like a back-end top 10 fantasy catcher down the road that doesn't get nearly as much love as he should. Yeah, and now he's in Oregon. I think he can really thrive. Just no pressure, just go play type thing. Yeah. Of, as you mentioned, some stats, like his WRC Plus this year was 159. Like, that's pretty impressive. Among all minor leaguers with 250 plate appearances, which basically filters out all the, like, DSL and, like, uh, short-season guys. He was sixth in WRC+. Plus. Von Brown was ahead of him, who's 24. Kyle Manzardo, 21 years old. Nico Cavadas, 23. Kerry Carpenter, 24. Then Indy Rodriguez and Logan Ohapi. So the younger guys, you have Manzardo, Indy, and Ohapi. So 
A lot of talent there. You nearly walked as much as he struck out, 16.6% K to 15.7% walk. Really good profile all around. He was one, as you mentioned, the AFL that kind of caught caught my eye. I was like, oh, this guy's you know, never really heard of him until then. And he's like, oh, pretty solid guy there. So, you know, what he's done has been good. And he's been even better since coming over to the Angels. So I'm really excited to see what he can do in this last week of run. Like he should play every day. So I'm really excited to, for the opportunity to see what he can do. And I think he's going to be a really solid fantasy guy next year. Yeah, he's he's kind of been – I didn't think he's going to get the call this year, honestly. So when I was putting together my initial 2023 rankings, I started off started with catcher. And I, I've added him in, and I, I'm not sure where I want to put him. I mean, I think if he gets the you – know, do you think he gets the starting role next year? I mean, it's kind of signals that they want to do that at least. Right. I mean, who's, yeah, who's going to, unless they go out and just sign somebody, which I think would be pretty, you know, dumb on their part. Like, I mean, Max. But this is the Angels we're talking about, Chris. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, <laughs> I mean, a worst case, I feel like he splits time with Max Stassi. I mean, Suzuki's retiring. I think Max Stassi is around next year, but let's see. But, but he's always hurt. Yeah, he stays hurt all the time. So, you know, I think that Ohapi could. You know, end up with a bulk of playing time, which would be awesome. Yeah, they signed Stassi to a three-year extension. So he runs through 2024 with an option for 2025. But again, you mentioned he's already 31. He gets hurt a lot. So I think Ohapi's got to be the regular guy there. Yeah, as of now, I have I put up 18th in my catcher rankings, which I think was fair. He's kind of in, uh, he's in tier four, but I might move him up. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you think 18 is, is fair? I think that's safe, honestly. Like it's he, just a, he could be higher than that. With but. what we know right now, I feel like that's a decent spot. I put him there just because I looked at just looking who else I had. Like I Francisco Alvarez, I put fifteenth. So I probably could bump him up a couple as well. And for anybody listening, these will be out on Patreon when you're listening to this on Thursday. So go check that out as well. But as you catcher's actually pretty damn good next year's. But uh, yeah. Just so if you get get to add probably Alvarez will be up early. You got Ohapi. Who's the other one? Oh, your Langoliers can maybe Marino. So a little bit of young talent being uh, added there. But yeah, I, I like Ohapi a lot. So great buy any format. You know, early next year for redraft dynasty. I think you saw a great good value buy as well. But again, I think the buying window will close on him pretty quickly once people realize how good he actually is. So go and get him now. All right, that was that's it for news and notes. Just just that, those few things here today. Woo. Over to duds and studs. This we got a lot, a lot of fun names on the list here. Uh, let's start with the duds. That's what we usually do. Get the the you know the bad names, the followers, the duds, all those out of the way first. Let's start with hitters here. We got four names on the list here. Like I said, we, we tried to filter out. We had more. We filtered out some of the names we've already talked about recently. But we got CJ Crone, Giancarlo Stanton. Kettle Marte and Ty France here who, you know, Crone was, I think Crone's the one that's affected me the most. I've never been a, a big kettle guy. I had France a little bit. I didn't get any Stanton shares this year. and I don't have him in dynasty. I've just never been, you know, I never wanted him just because obviously all the injuries he's had over the years, but CJ Crone, I think is the one that affected me the most because he, he's a guy that I liked a good amount coming into the year. Yeah, he had a pretty solid year last year. Obviously, in Colorado, love that. So I got a good amount of shares of him. But you know, second half of the year, he's been—I don't—not I wouldn't say unusable, but 
mean, you look at his first half, first half of the year, 298, 350. Oh, wait a minute. It is, sorry, my page just jumped on me here. There we go. 298, 350, 552, 21 bombs, 69 RBI, 55 runs scored in 90 games. Second half, 211, 276, 368, with only eight home runs in 54 games. And he's hit 221 in July, 248 in August, 222 in September. Look at his home road splits. They're pretty egregious. Literally a 300 point difference in OPS. Man, I don't know. Who is it? Did you have any shares of uh, Crone this year? Or, out of these four, is there any one that bit you more than the others? Probably Crone. I don't have a ton of him, but I would. I had the most of him of any of these. But yeah, the second half has just been kind of ridiculous. Like, the crazy thing is he's striking out less. Like he struck out 26.2% of the time in the first half and just 25% in the second half. And he's walking more, but his slug in the second half is barely higher than his own base was in the first half, like craziness, but 62 WRC plus, like that's awful. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit surprised. And you mentioned the home road splits are obviously going to be extreme with a player like this. So it's not a surprise in some way, but cores normally keeps you boosted up enough to maintain a solid, you know, slash and, and all. And, and at the end of the day, like you look and his numbers aren't going to be awful. Like he's going to end the year with 30 home runs, most likely in a 265 average. So like people are, are going to buy back in. I think I'm just interested, like who is the CJ Crone that we'll see next year. And that's what I, I think is the biggest question mark. And I don't know. So yeah, it's a bit concerning. Will the real CJ Crone please stand up? Please stand up. I mean, he, one of the leagues I had him in was my home head to head keeper league. Cause I was a head to head. He probably hurt more than he did in road obviously He's still getting the totality of the stats. But yeah, he, he was really, really bad for me in the second half of the year. I said OPS was I don't know, below 700. So it, it sucked. I didn't have many shares of the other three. But now on the flip side, which of these four, Chris, are you. Like if you had to buy low right now in Dynasty on one of these four, which would it be? Oh, gosh, that's for me. It's probably either. Gosh, I don't know. It's not Stanton. No, nah. yeah. I, I lean guess, France. Yeah, I was gonna say France, but I can make a case for Crone and Marte as well. Yeah, but I'd probably maybe would lean if I had to pick one. I'd probably go France, but I can make a case for three of them. I lean France because France has elite zone contact. And we know that he has the power. Like he has good overall contact, but pretty elite zone contact, which is a pretty big stat that I use a lot. So, yeah, I think there's been some things that have gone wrong in the second half, but I, I don't think it's non fixable. And he just turned 28. So, yeah, I think that it's possible that he rebounds and has a strong year next year, especially like, you know, the Mariners are good this year, but I think they'll be even better next year. So, like, you, you get on a contender and I think you'll be fine. And, you know, he hasn't been. He, he hasn't been good in the second half. Like, there's no good way to put that. He's hit 223 with nine home runs. So, like, the power's still been there. But at least, you know, we're still getting that, even though the batting average has not been good. He strikeouts has been identical first and second half, 14.8%, which is really good. So, like, that's that shows you, like, he's going to come back around. I'm not overly worried about him. Yeah. Same here. I, I do I do wonder if maybe we, you know, when he was doing really good earlier in the year, like, he had, like, well over 300 each of the first two months, I think it was like over three thirty. actually each of the first two months. I wonder if we, you know, at least I think I might've gone too high on him in rankings. Cause you know, he doesn't provide, you know, any speed and say so he's a good bat, but like maybe he's, you know, just back in top 100 guy and not like 
I think I think his value was like pushing top fifty at one point. I think this is a bit high for, yeah. for his profile, but yeah, I I do agree. I, I like France to bounce back a bit here too. So don't go crazy to get him, but he is a very solid bat. Same with same with Crone. I think Crone will be okay as well. Or you know, Crone's always kind of been inconsistent, you know, throughout the course of a season. But you know, the stats are usually pretty solid at the end of the year. Yeah, even this year, you know, twenty home runs, eighty one RBI for for France, two seventy four average, and you know. For, for, for all the listeners, Chris, what if you're looking you know, at some of these guys, it's guys that might not have performed well, whether it's over a month or, or the second half of the season or maybe even a full season, and you're looking to identify a, a bounce-back candidate, what are what are like a few metrics that are, are your go-to metrics? Obviously, zone contact is one, but what are some others? Yeah, I mean, you look at, obviously, BABIP, like if they ran a low BABIP, which is prone to happen over like a shorter period of time. So like if, if they're running low BABIPs and high contacts and you normally feel pretty good, the strikeout rates being low is, is good as you, as I mentioned with France also want to look at like exit velocities and that sort of thing. Like players go through stretches of bad luck. Like that's just part of baseball and you know, we're quick to write them off, but like at the same time, like the difference in Ty France and John Carlos Stanton for a bounce back quote per se is pretty you know, easy for me to, to pick Ty France. Ty France has a 92 point something zone contact rate. Stanton's is 74.7. So Stanton's still striking out a ton. He's not making good contact while France is like, of course, when Stanton makes contact and elevates it, like it's going a mile because he hits it extremely hard. But yeah, I think that those are the things that matter. Like you look at, you know, what kind of bad if a player's running, then you look at strikeout rates, zone contact, that sort of stuff. Like, are they chasing a lot? Like his, is there, second half or whatever been bad because their O swing has gone up chase rate. And, you know, that's a possibility too. So all those things kind of to look at, but it's hard to nail down like one specific stat, but I do kind of look at all those things and look for some of the parts. Yeah. I I agree with a lot of that. You know, definitely look at approach metrics, you know, whiff rates, chase rates, you know, contact rates. Absolutely. One other thing I look at in particular is, it's not like one stat, but if there's any, you know, if, for any metric, is, is there like an outlier? Like, is was this year an outlier? Like, let's say someone's been like 90 plus percent zone contact their, you know, last five years, and all of a sudden they're down like 82 or something like that. If there's like a, a noticeable kind of an odd change in a metric. Like, all right, maybe that's an outlier for whatever reason. Maybe they're battling an injury we don't know about, but wherever it may be. But I kind of look for outliers, like something that goes against the grain of what we've, we're used to seeing from that player in that particular metric. So that's another thing I kind of look at as well. But yeah, definitely approach. You know, I, I like looking at barrel rate a lot as well. And obviously, hitting the ball hard at a, at a good launch angle is usually, you know, com- usually good things happen. So if they have a good barrel rate, that's another one I look at as well. All right, over to the pitchers here. We got a trio of names here, all of which were probably drafted, you know, as two. So one was definitely a top ten arm in ADP this year. The other one probably back in top twenty, and the other one. Yeah, probably back in top 30. So all top 30 arms, all probably top 100 picks, if I had to guess. I'm almost pa- certain they were all top 100 picks. Yeah. Pablo Lopez is the one I'm questioning if he was top 100. But if he if he oh. wasn't, he was closed. Yeah. So it's, it, it's him, Lucas Giolito, and Frankie Montas. So let's, you know, Lopez is the one we haven't really talked as much about lately. And, you know, he was actually pretty good like earlier in the year. Before the All-Star break, 18 starts, 286 ERA. Yeah, 104 innings, 107 whip, 101 strikeouts, 32 walks. And then since the All-Star break in 13 starts, 
548 ERA in 69 innings. Nice. 18 walks, 66 strikeouts, and a 1.36 whip. So I think the K rate is still about where it was. And it's not like any big you know differences in his walk and K rate, but just you know giving it more hits, giving it more not yeah, but giving it more home runs, home rates up as well. It's giving it more contact in general. The whips I said up almost 0.3 overall second half the first half. But overall, you know, 390 ERA, which is right around his career marker, 399. So maybe it was just a case of he was pitching over his head earlier in the year, and you know, maybe he's closer to now not closer to the second half, but maybe he's just not that first half guy. But what what are your thoughts on Pablo? Are you are you buying in? Are you you know or what? Where are you at on Pablo? And I stand corrected. You were right. His ADP was 141. I thought it was higher. Oh, it was 141. I would. I was. I was thinking it was like 105, 110, or something like that. Yeah, I thought so too. Which is is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah, he's tough. He's progressively gotten a little bit worse. It feels like all year. He was so good in April and May, like absolutely dominant over that stretch. You look at the ERAs by month. April, 23 innings, a 0.39 ERA. May, 35 and two thirds, 278. June. 28 and two thirds, five, three, four, July, four, six, five ERA, August, four, six, one and September five, three, three. And ERA is not everything, but it certainly matters, especially in a profile like this, when you're not getting elite strikeouts, like 23 and a half percent this year, he is 173 innings is a career high by far. Like durability was a concern with Pablo because he had never thrown more than 111 innings. And he always had an injury concern with shoulder stuff. So it's good to say, see him stay healthy. Maybe fatigue's a factor. I, I don't I was, know. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, maybe it's a fatigue thing. I mean, he's you're looking at a career high by 60 innings. So it's highly possible that fatigue is, has really gotten to him. So, you know, I'm curious. Like maybe the price is depressed enough next year where I'm willing to buy back into him. And in that case, like if he goes late enough, then I probably will. So – I think he could be a 25% K guy with a mid to upper three ZRA, which is fine, like depending on the price. But, you know, this year, just seeing him slump has been tough to watch. Yeah, it definitely has. Another judge thing real quick. I just saw this tweet by Fox Sports MLB. So obviously, judge hit 61 tonight, and it was 61 years ago that Maris hit 61 in 1961. So there's a lot of 61s there. That's just kind of funny how that all worked out. But, man, that was six decades ago. Oh, my word. Yeah, that's crazy. Maybe, maybe 62 is right in the corner. I, I was wondering, my guys, has he hit a wall? Is he, is he feeling that pressure? And, and, you know, it's there's a lot of pressure, obviously. You're trying to break a six decade old record that an, a fellow Yankee set, and a lot of people still th- consider the, you know, home run record, or at least the clean one. So it's a lot of pressure. So, but yeah, I'm happy to see. I like Judge. I'm a Red Sox fan, but I like Aaron Judge. He seems like a very likable dude. I'll take him in Boston next year. Come on over, Aaron. <laughs> He'd hit 80 in Boston. That'd be nuts. <laughs> he would pepper. He would just destroy that monster and the seats. He, no, let, let's be real. He'd be hitting it over the monster seats on him. But yeah, can you imagine? I want to see if I can find out how many of his home runs would be. He would hit at Fenway this year. It would have been a lot. Yeah, I agree. But all right, back to the pitchers here. And Giolito and Montas. You know, we, we talked about Giolito. He, you know, I think – we I think we put it on the sheet was it about a month or so ago like is he broken and then Montas just has not 
been the same since going over to the Yankees, which was my fear. I was like, all right, I like Montas in generally. Just take everything else out. Like take the team, the ballpark division out. I'm just look at the pitcher himself. I like Frankie Montas. I think he's a he was a very good number two arm, but I think he did benefit a bit from the spacious confines of Oakland and the fact that outside of Houston, you know, the AL West has not really been a, a hitter's, you know, division, so to speak. Seattle's been getting better. Texas is kind of always kind of in the middle of the pack overall. And who is it? I'm forgetting. Oh, the Angels are just like, you no, know, it's like Trout and Otani, and that's it pretty much. So obviously better division for hitting ALEs, a lot of hitters ballparks. So, you know, not overly surprised to see him struggle like he has. And that's a 635 ERA, eight starts. So, again, I guess similar question to you here, Chris. You got to buy low on one of these three for Dynasty. Which one is it? Well, there's been signs of life from Lucas Giolito this month. And I'm so afraid to get burned again. But, you know, there has been positive results. His strikeout rate's back up this month. The walk rate is, is fine, 8.6% this month. Does still have a high whip, but the ERAs drop back in the threes, which is an encouragement. You know, three seven four this month, but still a five five eight ERA in the second half is just mind blowing. So I think he's the toughest to buy back on. Montas, like I don't want much to do with at this point. Pablo may be the safest bet, honestly, despite yeah. his second half. Like you just feel like safety, and I, I think fatigue was probably a factor. So I probably could buy it on. Pablo, but knowing that you could buy it on Lucas Giolito and he has the most upside. Yeah, I'd probably go either Giolito or Lopez. I said, I just, and how how long is Frankie Montas with the Yankees? So it's at least one more year. year. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's a free agent after that. So he's one that I can see buying back into once he's not with the Yankees anymore. But obviously he's going to be there. They acquired him. They're not going to trade him again this offseason. That would just be very peculiar and and on Yankee like so he's gonna be there next year and yeah this is not like the walk rate has gone up with the Yankees K rate's gone down he's under a K per inning now he's already given up six home runs in 39 and two-thirds innings like he's given up a lot of home runs he only had 12 in 104 and two-thirds innings with Oakland so yeah it's definitely a higher home run rate in with the Yankees higher walker like I said lower K rate just not good I want to see what are his uh, what's his, what's he done in Yankee Stadium this year? So I can pull that up real quick. Bad, bad, bad. That's what he's done. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so let's see here. Or they they break it down by stadium. Where is that? It's down here somewhere. One second. Do 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 do. That's opponent. I think there's ballpark. A Yankee Stadium. Where right there. He's had four starts in Yankee Stadium. Five forty ERA in twenty three and a third innings. So yeah, and then Oakland twelve starts two thirty six ERA. Let's look at the rest of the AL East to see he Tropicana. Oh, actually, got 0.79 ERA and two starts in Tropicana. Is he he hasn't pitched in Toronto yet this year? Fenway 360 ERA. It's a, really it's just Yankee Stadium. He hasn't really done bad in the other ones, but yeah, he's gonna pitch half a starts there. I just don't like the fit, so I'll buy, I'll be okay to buy back in in like a year or two, but not right now. As, as long as he's with the Yankees, the other two I could buy back in on. Like I said, Giolito, highest upside. Still has some decent metric. He hasn't been quite as bad under the hood as his surface ERA and whip might indicate. A lot of the ERA indicators are like in the low four range. So I could buy back in the, depending on the price. You know, obviously I'm not expecting him to go back to being an ace, but 
Could I see him getting back to like being a top 25, top 30 ish arm? Absolutely. I think that could happen. And Lopez, you know, see how he responds next year, you know, without having the big innings jump. And I think he's a decent buy low as well. But let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. As you know, Fantrax Toolshed is sponsored by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance 4.0 package. So join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off plus free worldwide shipping. Just use the code Toolshed at manscaped.com. The 4.0 package has arrived, as I mentioned, and it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance Boxer briefs, and even a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer, is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by his performance and his craftsmanship. The, f- the fourth-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. Because it's waterproof, you can use it in the shower and say goodbye to the mess on your bathroom floor. You thought that was great, but Manscaped also takes your grooming game to the next level with the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which is also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology to help produce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. And Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts in their their Performance 4.0 package. It's the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. So get some new tools for your shed today. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TOOLSHED. That's right. Do it today. Don't miss out on this exclusive offer we have for you with 20% off and free shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right. Welcome back from the break. All right, Chris. So when I, when Chris does the ad read, I, I have it timed out so I can run to my kitchen, get a little snack, refill the drink. I don't know if you can see this, Chris. This is, you can tell winter's coming <laughs> when I'm drinking eggnog. Eggnog, nice. Are you a, are you an eggnog fan, Chris? I like it, but I'm not like overly crazy about uh, it. So you're like, you're like middle of the road on yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's probably a good thing it's only out for, you know, what, three months a year, whatever it is. Because <laughs> if it was out year round, that would be a problem. So, but I just got a little glass of eggnog here, which is, it's funny. It's out earlier and earlier every year. It used to be like Halloween-ish would come out. Now it's coming out like mid-September. It came out like a week and a half ago up here in Maine at least. So uh, maybe that's a little too early, but I love eggnog, so whatever. Same thing with pumpkin. Pumpkin comes out in like July now. So Right. It's ridiculous how early all these holiday stuff starts. I, I love when I see like Halloween stuff out in like early August. I'm like, Gee, it's stupid. It's still two months away. And yeah, there's no... It's really the big marketable holiday after like Fourth of July stuff. I can see that because like obviously you don't do like Labor Day stuff and there's no other holiday in that range. So I get it, but like man, it's like wait a little bit and then after after Halloween's done, next day Christmas stuff. 
they crazy. Did, they did skip Thanksgiving. You know, like screw the turkey. Let's go right to the Christmas stuff. Anyway, we're not gonna break down. You know, sell Halloween so uh, stuff here, but let's go over to the studs of the second half here. And we got a lot of names on the list, but I also just pulled up. I started with hitters here. The second half. Woba, you know, I get the second half stats here up on fan graphs it's sorted by what well, let me get what's, what's what's a good minimum PA for second half like 100. Is that fair, Chris? Yeah, I would think so. Right, let's go with 100 minimum PA. It might maybe a little low, but then you sort it by sort of by Woba. That's easy to sort it by. And let's get pages up to 50 players per page. There we go. So obviously, it's Aaron Judge. Hmm. You, you, know, you know who's second in Woba, second half of the year for 100 plate appearances, Chris? Mm. No. I'll give you a hint. He's very old. Albert Pujols. Ding, ding, ding. That's nuts. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> second in Woba. I love, <laughs> Pujols had second half. And he, this is nothing related to the show, but it's just kind of funny. He's at 164 plate appearances in the second half. He has 15 home runs and only 19 runs score total. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> but, That's hilarious. Uh, 435 Woba, which is still 100 points behind Judge's 534, which is absolutely insane. 27 home runs, second half for Judge. But right after that, Eloy Jimenez yeah, is that's... third in Woba. Nathaniel Lowe, Mike Trout, JT Rio Muto, who is flirting with a 2020 or he probably won't get there. He's, I think he's going to be a couple of steals short, but that is insane for a catcher. And he's at a 314, 377, 602 slash. Then you got Altuve, Goldie, obviously, Shohei Altani, Yordan, Michael Harris is 11th. And then rest of the top 20, Justin Turner, TJ Friedel, oddly enough. Joey Menezes, who they I love all the Nats. He's trying to like push Joey Menezes on people on, on Twitter. Like, yeah, we know you traded Juan Soto, and this is all you have to talk about right now. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> JD Davis. JD Davis. Huh. Yeah, he's that's... a platoon. I feel like he's just like a hefty platoon yeah, he's, split. And he's got a 35.5% K rate in the same time period. Yeah. And then you got Alex Bregman, Bo Bichette, Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado. Julio Rodriguez, a lot of the usual names. You get Trace Thompson, Seth Brown, Andres Jimenez, Manny Machado, and sneaking in with 101 plate appearances, Reese McGuire is 25th. That's uh, very odd. But yeah, so a lot, a lot of fun names in here. Anthony Santander is on there as well. He's on our list here. Let's start, with, let's start with him. Second half of the year, 259 plate appearances, 18 home runs, which I believe is second behind the Judge. judge. Yeah, yeah sec- sec- second to Judge. Also has. 35 run score, 42 RBI, you know, doesn't steal at all. So he's got to be there with the bat, but he's been, you know, quietly really good. He's dropped the K rate 18.1% in the second half, 277 ISO, 265, 320, 542 overall slash line with a 143 WRC plus. He's kind of flown under the radar, you know, he's a second half stud, but no one's really talking about him. You know, so is he one that you're going to be valuing a bit higher next year, Chris? I don't know. I just have to wonder if it's a career year. You're right. He's far on the radar, but like what, what's the cost going to be on him? I guess is my question. I guess it's been a really good year and he's really picked it up uh, in the second half as we've seen uh, right now, 33 home runs on the year. Like how much does the price get inflated? And that's, I don't know. I guess that's my concern with him. Like I just yeah. don't want to buy a career year on, on Santander. So I just don't know. I like, I like saying Santander. I don't know why. It yeah, I so think that's right. I just pronounced it wrong. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if, if 
whose way is right. I just, I just like saying it. I'm just, that's how I'm going to say it because it sounds fancy. But there's actually a a bank in Massachusetts. I think there's a, a string of banks in Massachusetts down there where my uh, my kid's mother's family lives, and it's called Santander. It's spelled the same exact way too. It says it sounds fancy, so I've always gone with that. But yeah, he's been very good quietly. I don't have any any shares of him in any league, so I'm kind of kind of disappointed in that. But right below him, <clears throat> just because he's also on our list, and right below Santander, and from actually tied with him in Bowl, but second half of the year, Stephen Kwan. 324, 393, 448 slash in 291 plate appearances, 47 runs scored, five home runs, and 14 steals. But he's really been even better than that over the last month. I mean, in the month of September, let me try to pull up his stats here. I tweeted about it earlier. There it is. Or last 30 days, I should say. 313 average, 19 runs, three home runs, 15 RBI, seven steals, and 14 walks. You know, he was really good start of the year and then kind of fizzled out a bit. But he's starting to get that little bit bigger power speed element to his game now. Obviously, what, 10, 12 home runs is probably still the expectation for him. But if he can be like a 10 homer, 20 steal guy with a super high average and you know maybe even like flirting with 100 runs scored over a full season, he probably deserves to be ranked a lot higher than anybody has him ranked right now. I know I have I've had him too low. That'll be corrected in my next update. But is Stephen Kwan... Top 100 for you, Chris? Or if not, do you see Quan being top 100 dynasty in the near future? I don't have him there yet, but I, I guess he could get there. It's under, I think it's underrated how much he's stealing. Like 19 has been really good this year. Could yeah. he steal more next year with the changes that we see? Absolutely. I think so. And as you mentioned, probably 10 home runs. That seems probably reasonable. He doesn't hit the ball hard at all, but. He doesn't really need to look at the you're going to just poke some out of the park when you have a 92.2% overall contact rate and a 95 and a half percent zone contact. Like he just doesn't swing and miss at anything. So he's putting so many balls in play. Like things are just going to happen with him. Swinging strike rate is 2.9%. Like good. that's just so elite, like un, unfathomable elite. Like we're looking at here with Quan. So the con like we knew the contact skills were there. Like we we people thought he could hit three hundred, but nobody thought he would steal twenty bases. So if he does that and does it regularly with t- like a 10, 20, 300 is valuable. So how high willing to go on him? I don't know, but like there's definitely value there. So you're saying that he would not strike out against Sister Jean? That's what you're saying here. Nope. Basically. Nope. He sure wouldn't. <clears throat> you know what, what's crazy? His chase contact rate is eighty point nine percent. Hit chase contact. You yeah. know what you know what the league average is? 58.3%. Yeah. So he is a full, he's damn near 25% over league average. Whiff rates 8.7%. Yeah. I think he whiffs more in the or Javi whiffs more in like a week than Quan does in the season. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, you look at obviously he's already established himself as one of the elite, elite contact guys in the game. I mean, he's hitting 301 for a reason, and then that might even be a bit low. Like he's a guy that can hit 300 annually. I mean, yeah, maybe he gets up, you know, mid to you know 25, 26 steals. Maybe even flirts with 30. Like he's 19 this year. He's been selling more of the second half of the year, and the new rules implement, implemented next year could help. I think they're only going to help steals. So, how much we'll see. But he's had 86 runs scored this year too. So like, yeah, I think 100 runs, 10, 12 home runs. 25 steals 300 average you know that's like you know 
somewhere in, in like the Tommy Edmond, Whit Merrifield, well, the older, the younger <laughs> Whit Merrifield, I should right. say. Not this year's Whit Merrifield, obviously. But yeah, if he can settle in as a, that type of guy, I think that's top 100. Like we've seen that. We, we ranked Whit Merrifield top 100. We've ranked yeah. Edmond top 100. So I think absolutely he should be. We'll see how that Cleveland lineup looks behind him. Obviously, you got Joe Ram there. We'll see, you know, who steps up to kind of fill up that lineup and be the uh, the bigger contributors there. But definitely, I think he's been underrated. I think he's starting to get the love here. I've seen some people say that he's AL Rookie of the Year, even over like Julio Rodriguez. You know, I don't think the same way, but you know, that's just where Quan definitely deserves to be in like that like the top four to five picture. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely think he's undervalued and and a good buy right now. So I think people people don't fully realize like how good. Quan can be, or and at least how safe he can be. I think that's a better way of putting it. Very high yep. floor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, it was a good point to transition over into. Obviously, Aaron Judge. He's he's on our list here, but Aaron Judge. We know about Aaron Judge. Yeah, we talked, talked about him recently. There's no. Let's see. Let's go over to. Let's go over to Dalton Varshow. He's another name we got on our list here, and Varshow quietly has been putting up a very good year: 27 home runs and 13 steals. But at the same time, this is the second year in a row. He's, unless he has a, a huge surge here you know, over the last you know week or so of the season, he's going to hit under 250 for the second straight year. He's currently at 241. Last year, he was at 246. So, which is odd because he was, I believe, if not a 300 career hitter in the minors, he was damn close to it. So, kind of peculiar to see him drop down to being a sub 250 guy, but. You know, I put out a tweet you know, tonight, so on Wednesday night when you're listening to this, you know, is I have a I have a definitive top four for 2023 catchers. I'm trying to like work on my rankings here, as I mentioned for those, and it's him. No, no particular order. It's him. It's Will Smith. It's Adley, and it's JT. I think that's you know, Kirk is second second tier for me, but with Varsho, obviously flirting with 3015 as a catcher is pretty damn good, but. I put him. I think I put him fourth among those guys, just because I think he has the lowest floor of, of those four. Adley's already proven to be pretty damn safe. Will Smith is probably the safest of that list, and JT's still stealing a ton of bags, which is definitely valuable. But for Varsho himself, if he's going to be a guy that can flirt with thirty fifteen with catcher eligibility, and hopefully he can hold on that. He'll he'll have it next year. We'll see how many years after that he has it, but. If he can do that while posting, you know, 150-ish combined runs in RBI, you know, obviously 240, you'll live with that. But is he top 100 overall for you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, the average doesn't concern me that much when we think about the catcher landscape. Like, That's 240 true, yeah. is fine. I mean, the rare exceptions that you have are going to hit for higher average. But when you get the power speed element and that Arizona lineup, I think it's going to be better. I mean, but man, JT's 21-18. I did not expect JT to steal that much in age 31 season. He, he hasn't been caught stealing either. No, it's not. 18 for 18, which is, yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yep, that is insane. Yeah, I, this is random, but I wonder who stole the most bases without being caught. I'm really yeah, curious In, in a season? No, just this year. Like, who has the most steals without being caught? We can, if you want to talk for a second, I can pull that up. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I just want to, just curious. So, yeah, anyway, on VAR show. I think that he's got to be top 100, man. He's been so good. And you can live, as I said, with that kind of batting average when you're getting the power speed. The run RBI total should go up because I think that lineup will be better. They were Arizona was good down the stretch. I mean, people kind of underrate what they did, but they've got some talent there. 
So yeah, I, the, the top of the catching pool is in good hands. So I, I definitely want somebody from that first tier for sure. Yeah, as do I. And to answer that question, it is JT. Nobody else has more steals without getting caught. I'm trying to see who at this point is second behind him. Let's see. The next one was zero caught stealing is Tim Anderson at 13 steals. That's it. Interesting. And then I think that they're the only two that are above 10. Let me just look at the next page. Yep. They're the only ones with 10 because I, mean, I can't even find the next one, but I'm already down to eight steals. So yeah, it's just Tim Anderson and JT and one's a catcher. That's just, that's just absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love you, JT. All the power to you. Keep stealing them bags. We love it. But yeah, that's it. It's definitive top four for me. You can you can probably order those any which way. I won't have you know really any issues with it. But yeah, Varsho with with his power speed blends keep even without catcher eligibility, it's still obviously extremely valuable with his power speed. And I I think the average can can tick up too. I don't think he's going to be two forty his entire career. Like I said, we've seen him do better than that in the minor leagues. You know, it is discouraging that his XBA is two fifteen this year, but. From what I've seen, his quality of contact is pretty solid. You know, 10.4% barrel rates is pretty good. Everything else is about league average. But I'm just going off what I've saw him in the minor leagues. I just don't I just don't think he's a 240 guy if like for the entirety of his career. So maybe it maybe it's just 250, 260, but even this a nice little bump there, go with that power speed. And yeah, he might even be if he can get up to 260, he's top 50, I think. But we'll see if that can happen. Sticking with Arizona here. Jake McCarthy, you know, he went on the IL. Or no, not the IL. What did he get? Was it the bereavement list he went on? Missed some time. I forget what it was. But overall, McCarthy's been an absolute, you know, waiver wire darling this year. This is another guy that you look at what he's done. Just right around half a season worth of plate appearances, 324. He's hitting 284, 348 OBP, eight home runs, and 20 steals. Now, you got to wonder where the power ends up. But the power metrics are... You know, slightly below league average. Maybe he's only like a you know, 10 home run guy at most, but the speed is absolutely legit. Like he t- stole a ton of bags in the minor leagues. He's a 99th percentile sprint speed right now. This is, could be a guy, if you give him a full time role, you give him 600 plus weight appearances next year, you might steal 40 bags or at least like 35 or so. So I think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he falls in drafts next year because obviously. Speed is coveted in any draft, any format, redraft, dynasty, whatever. So I want to see where he falls, but I think he could be a guy that like, I think there's some staying power here with Jake McCarthy. I don't think he's, I don't think this is a fluke entirely. No, I don't think so either. And he's been really good. And it's important to note that he just turned 25, former, you know, competitive balance round, near first round pick, 39th overall in 2018. So always kind of had that pedigree. Just never really developed in the minors. Didn't really develop much power, which I guess was the concern. And the field of hit, like, had some questions. But he's really shown what he's capable of this year with a good zone contact rate, good overall contact. You know, the power, I mean, shoot, like, he has eight and 321 plate appearances, eight home runs, that is. So why couldn't he be 15, 20 steals, like, 20 steals right now? Like, dude, could he get a 40, like, 1540 like that could be crazy with a good average i guess the question is are they gonna play him every day and if so i think he's just such a sneaky value honestly like i really like what jake mccarthy's done yeah and i I might have been selling him a little bit short on the power i I, I do think 15 that's definitely a reasonable uh expectation for him but yeah even if you just get 10 to 15 home runs 30 plus deals solid average as well he's always hit for a pretty good average 
that's a damn good player. Like that's top 100 caliber right there too. I don't have him ranked near top 100 right now. I think I put him. I might have put him near 200 in my dynasty rankings. I think he's in that range, but definitely has a you know a good chance he could keep rising if given the playing time. He said there's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed in the Arizona outfield, and so they're only going to add more. Like a lot of their top pro, obviously they added Corbin Carroll. You, you got to figure he's going to be you know started you know regularly. At least they should. I don't know why they wouldn't. And you got more coming up. So and I don't think this will be a long leash with McCarthy, but I think he's definitely earned what what he's done in the second half of this year. He's definitely earned the right to start next year as a, as a full time like unquestioned starter. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, even if he's a platoon, he's a strong side platoon. Like he could easily right. get five hundred plate appearances. I think. Yeah. No. I'm I, I definitely so. Yeah. Love. Yeah. I, I wish I had gotten more. I think I got him in like a couple leagues, but I wish I had gotten him in more leagues because because right. he's been so damn good you know, over the second half of the year. Like, he's probably been a top 25 fantasy player second half of the year. Yeah. What would you say about that? Yeah, he's been ridiculously good. Yeah. Yeah, Another player that's been pretty damn good in the second half that is just getting overshadowed due to what Aaron Judge is doing, and that's Pete Alonzo here. You know, overall, in the second half of the year since the All-Star break, Pete Alonzo, 278, 361, 534 with 16 home runs and 53 RBI and just 266 plate appearances for the year. He's up to 40 and 131 with 91 runs scored. And that 269 average kind of settled into that 260, 270 range, about 350 OBP, about 40 home runs and 131 RBI, which I believe judges right around 131 RBI as well. I think they're probably pretty close, but 40, 131, about a 270 average, 90 runs scored. Maybe adds a little bit to all of that for end of the year. Is, is this a case where do you think Alonzo should be like a top 25 guy moving forward? I think there's definitely a strong case for that. Yeah, he's shown that for sure. There's four hitters in Mets history to hit 40 home runs, and Alonzo's done it twice now. Now, there's four hitters. Do, do you have the other three in front of you? Yeah, sorry. He's, he's the fifth. Yeah, no, he's the, there's, yeah, I've got the, sorry, there's four. Hit him included four. So, yes. Him, oh, Can you name uh, the other three? Mike Piazza. Yep, he hit forty in ninety nine. So wait, was this was this just forty home runs? Yes, just forty home runs in Mets history. Did Daryl Strawberry do it? He did not. I'm probably missing somebody obvious. Mo Vaughn didn't hit forty when he went there, did he? He did not. I'm sure Mets fans are screaming at me right now. I'm probably missing <laughs> someone. Is it someone blatantly obvious that I'm missing right now? Maybe, but I don't always associate you know this player with this team. I'm not. Who are the other two? I'm not Carlos Beltran and Todd Hundley. Okay, Beltron, I probably could have gotten if I thought yeah. a little bit longer. I would not. Todd Hundley hit 40 home runs in a year. Yeah, he hit 41 in 96. All right, was that was that a juiced number? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like to insinuate, but that's just, I don't know. Is that Todd Hundley hit 40? That's just, yeah. How many did he have his career? <laughs> like, I don't know. 70? <laughs> like, I bet you he, let me look that up real quick. Go to. He had 200 home runs in his career. He did. Man, I guess I just didn't realize that Tahani was, you know, that good. Obviously not yeah. like a stud, but man, he actually had a decent career. Um, yeah. Where were we at? Oh yeah, Pete Alonso. I kind of got sidetracked there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Random, random Mets facts. Random Mets trivia, but yeah, I, th- I think definitely think Alonso should be. I see. Where do I have him? Do I have him? I should already put my dynasty rankings up. Oh, I already have him up. I shouldn't. I see Alonso. I currently have yeah 25 on the dot, but. In terms of first baseman for dynasty, it's it's Vlad and then him, and he sh- probably should be pretty close to Vlad. Like, yeah, 
there's not a big gap, I don't think. Obviously, Pete is about four years older, so that definitely puts him down a little bit. But he, I think he's a clear cut. Actually, Freddie Freeman's right there too, but Freddie Freeman's obviously 33 years old. Who would you have, if you had a startup right now? Would you go Freeman or would you go probably Pete? I just, I mean, just because age. Big yeah, he's about there, so. uh, five and a half or so years younger. Yeah, that matters. And then there's a drop off to Olsen. Olsen's had he's. We could have probably could have put him as a dud the yeah, second half as well. Right. Yeah, he, I think he's down to like two thirty overall. He's really been kind of tanking the second half of the year. Yeah. And then you got Goldie. I have Goldie around fifty. Over. Goldie's hard on the rank too. Goldie's been a stud the entire year, but he's also thirty five years old. So like, how high realistically can you go on a Goldie and Dynasty? Like, I think fifty's fair. I you, I guess you could put him higher, but. I don't know. It'd be risky to put someone 35 years old, much higher than that. But yeah, yeah. But Alonzo definitely has, I think, put himself in that number two dynasty first baseman discussion here ahead of uh, Freddie Freeman, who's uh, five and a half years younger than. So yeah, really, it's a really good year that I think it's just overshadowed by what Judge is doing. Yeah. Judge has 61 home runs right now. So 100%. Yeah. All right, let's let's get going here. We're getting a little we're getting a little long in the show here. Some other names we have on the list for hitters. Seth Brown, Eugenio Suarez, Randy Rosarina, Michael Harris are the other ones here. Anybody else you want to hit on here, Chris? No, I mean, we've talked. I mean, Michael Harris is a stud. Like, Randy Rosarina has been really good this half, too. He has. He he's has. been really underrated with the power speed. So I think he's like, I didn't put him high enough, but I think he's probably should be in top 50 for Dynasty. Eugenio Suarez, man, he's been really good. And you know, the power's there. The average is back up. It's like he's been revived, which has been. Good to see. So and he still strikes out a lot, but you know, Suarez has been good to see what he's done. Yeah, I don't know how much I believe in Seth Brown long term, but he's been really good as well. So some fun names, interesting ones, some interesting ones to buy, some not so much. Like Seth Brown, I'm not really buying, but no. still, it's you can't exclude him because he's been really good this half. Yeah, and I think you definitely need to have a Rosarina top fifty. Like he's twenty twenty back to back years, twenty home runs, thirty two steals. This year, he's kind of settled in as like a 270 ish hitter. You know, he'll get you, you know, like 2021, he had 94 runs, 69 RBI. This year, it's almost been flip flop, 69 runs, 88 RBI. So he's always in like that 160 ish combined, you know, runs and RBI range with 20 home runs and 20 plus steals. So I think I'm not sure why he's getting undervalued now. It's kind of funny after he was very much overvalued about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or whatever right. it was. Yeah, it's kind of funny to see that swing the other way, even though he's had a very good year. Are there any other 2030 guys this year? No. Nah. I, I know J Rod's close, but I think J Rod's still at like 28 steals or so. Uh, here, let me just look real quick. Are there any other 2030 guys? Sort by steals. And nope, just him. You got Wits at 2028. 20, J Rod is at. Oh, he's at 27 home runs, 27, 25. Wit's the one I was thinking of that was close. Yeah. But yeah, those are probably the other two that are closest, and they're both rookies. Then you get yeah. at least 25, 25. Tucker's 29, 24. But yeah, he's the only 20, 30. Mullins, if he gets four home runs the next like six days, could get there, but he's 16, 32. And Mateo is 13, 34. Well, mm. cool. Hitting 222. But yeah, I think very underrated. Not underrated, but undervalued at this point, which is very odd. But Going over to pitchers here, we have how many we have on the list here? Five: Zach Gallen, Julio Urias, Tristan McKenzie, Drew Rasmussen, and Brady Singer. We already kind of hit on Singer a little bit earlier when when Chris asked me who I'd rather have between Singer 
and Boz, which is a difficult question. But you know, Gallon, we've talked a bit about. I think let's go with Julio Urias here because he's one where again I I don't get why no one's really talking about how quietly kind of great he's been this year. Which is, and he's a guy that was considered a you know ace or at least borderline ace coming into the year, and he's done nothing but impressing, maybe even exceed expectations. In 29 starts, 164 innings, 225 ERA, 0.95 whip. Yeah, the K rate hasn't been anything special, but he's still like slightly above the average at 24.4%, which is right on the nose with his career mark, 24.4. But, you know, all the ERA indicators are below three. XERA is 2.7. It doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. He's actually one of the league leaders in, in not giving up hard contact. And walk rate's always been pretty solid as well. So, why doesn't he get more love, Chris? He's on the Dodgers, too. It's not like he's on, like, Pittsburgh or Kansas City or Cleveland. Like, he's on the Dodgers. Right, you yeah. figured he'd be getting talked about more, but I think he's kind of established himself as a top-10 guy for redraft and dynasty. Yeah, people just want to crap on him because he doesn't strike out enough batters, but you can live with it when you're getting kind of ratios you do. Since 2019, he's thrown 484 innings, and he has a 2.68 ERA and a 102 whip. Like, That'll play all day long. Absolutely. Durability questions, guess what? He threw 185 last year. He's at 164 right now, so he's probably going to surpass 170. Since last year, 263 ERA in those 350 innings and a .98 whip with a 25% K rate. Like, And he doesn't walk anybody, so you know he's living 20% K minus BB, which is excellent. Like, I just, I'm not sure why everybody is just kind of ignoring. I won't say everybody's ignoring, but – I just feel like he doesn't really get the boost that he deserves. I think he's a really good arm that's really underrated. As do I, yeah. 100% agree with that. All right, so out of all these studs we have talked about here in the second half, Chris, if you could pick one hitter and one pitcher on our list to sell high on, who would that be? Ooh, sadly, probably selling Anthony Santander. I just feel like you can probably cash out. You know, he's could hit 35 home runs this year. And I'm just not sure he'll do that again. Like, and what kind of average we get. Seth Brown's another one I may cash out on if possible. The arm that I'm cashing out on for sell high. Man, these are some good arms in this group. Man, I don't want to say Tristan McKenzie, but that's where I was leaning. You know, and there, and I'll be quick to say, like, the durability concerns have gone a bit. Like he's on 180 innings this year. So, you know, Cleveland just has a way with their pitchers. So, golly, I don't know. This one's tough. Maybe Rasmussen, but I like Rasmussen too. So, it's, it's tough to find a, a clear sell high, in my opinion. For me, I'll probably say Eugenio Suarez just because we've seen what the floor is, and the floor is it's not good. It's it's scary. It's dingy it's dirty it's just not usable for fantasy so i'm always worried that that's going to come back and you you see like even the good suarez you know it's his profile is not as valuable as it used to be because there's a lot of low average you know good power guys obviously he, he has a you know a bit more power than that but i've just i've seen what happens when the bottom drops out with suarez so he probably the one i'd sell high and you know santander is a decent sell high as well I don't. I'm not really sure if I'm selling. You know, Seth Brown is, is whatever, but you know, we we talked about Judge as a potential. You know, sell high. Always one to listen on, but all the rest, I'm not sure. I am at least for the hitters. Like 
I think Quan is legit. I think Harris is legit. Rosarena, you know, Alonzo, Varsho, McCarthy. I think they're all legit. So if anything, buy on them, depending on the price. For pitchers, it's not Gallon. It's not Urias. It's probably one of the other three: McKenzie, Rasmussen, and Singer. You know, I wonder if we've seen the best we'll probably see from Singer and Rasmussen this year. Like, I don't see Singer being like an annual three year ERA guy. So I'd probably you know, I'd entertain selling high on any of those three. McKenzie, I think, is the best of that trio, but. I, I still worry about the frame, the previous durability concerns, the back issues. Those don't just magically disappear. Those have a, a way of kind of popping up very easily. It doesn't take much to tweak your back, especially when you get to your 30s. I know he's not near his 30s. I'm just saying it for myself. Like you, <laughs> you, you sleep the wrong way in your 30s. It sucks. But you'll, you'll, uh, Chris, you're not 30. You're, you're turning I'm, 30 soon. I'm 28. I'll be 29 in March. Okay. So, yeah. so you'll, you'll you'll find that out soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's worried about the back issues with with McKenzie. But uh, so I, I'd be okay selling high on any of those three, but not on Gallon or Urias. I think they're both fantasy aces for the foreseeable future. All right, that's going to wrap us up, though. Thanks to everyone for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed. Like I said, we're going to be really cranking out. I said we'll we'll get on the one episode a week for next probably two months or so, but. Still doing a lot of content on HQ, on our Patreon. You know, we'll still have consistent stuff coming out here as well. So a lot of fun stuff here, a lot of rankings updates as we get into the offseason and a lot of fun stuff. So check out our Patreon. Check out all the stuff on HQ. Still got a lot of stuff going on. You can follow us on Twitter, Chris at RotoCleg. I'm at EricCross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work over at Fantrax HQ or on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.